Character Under Fire, Life Lessons from the Book of Daniel. And uh, today we're going to talk about purity. Uh, so let me just ask, uh, no holds bar here, by, by a show of hands, hands, how many of you would admit, not asking for any specifics, but how many would say, yeah, it can be hard in thought or deed. It's a struggle at times to stay pure in an impure world. How many would be honest and say that, that yeah, that, that is a struggle? Okay, keep your hands up for just a second. Keep your hands up. Um, everyone, look around because it is encouraging to know you are not the only only one going through something like this, okay? Now, wait a second. Keep your hands up because I want you to look at those whose hands are not up right now. Their struggle, their struggle is lying, all right? All right? Their struggle is lying. That's another subject. We'll talk about that later, okay? All right. You can put your hands down. Yeah, I think if we're honest, if we're honest, we all struggle with staying pure in an impure world. World. My wife and I were watching a documentary um, uh, this week uh, on some of the things that go into the foods that we have and the drinks that we have here in America. And, uh, uh, you know, we have a Food and Drug Administration uh, who are in charge of the standards of keeping things pure and monitoring and protecting that purity of what we eat. And yet, some of you might also say that's not a great standard for some of the foods that we eat. I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but let me just share a few things. Coffee beans. You know the standard of coffee beans uh, to be pure? Um, the Food and Drug Administration will say coffee beans get to be, be, will be withdrawn from the market if an average of 10% or more are insect infested. So 9% and down, it stays. 10% or more, it'll go. Or if there is one live insect in each of two or more immediate containers... So if it's every other container, hey, those bugs can live and, and breathe and go on. But the coffee beans don't come away. But if it's two or more containers, they discover it, 10%, then they pull it off. Fig paste. Not sure if any of you consume fig paste, but let me just read you the stats. It says if there are more than 13 insect heads per 100 grams of fig paste in two or more subsamples, then the D, uh, FDA ruthlessly tosses the whole bunch. Apparently, you can have all the other body parts in the fig paste. You just don't want the head staring out at you, right? All right? There's your fig paste. How about this? Any of you enjoy apple butter? Apple butter? All right. Let me read this. If the mold count is 12% or more... Or if it averages four rodent hairs per 100 grams or more. Or if it averages five or more whole insects per 100 grams, then the DNA will pull it from the shelf. Otherwise, it will go right onto your English muffin. Yum, yum. <laughs> How about hot dogs? You want to hear about hot dogs? Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right, it's still summer, right? We'll, we'll hold off on the hot dogs for just a bit. But, but think about this. What are your purity standards? Right? I mean, I could have used other examples. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
but that's just what we, what we eat. How about what we breathe? How about what we drink? How about what we allow our minds to take in through media, movies, TVs? How do we remain pure in an impure world where in the world there's an average of 29 acts of violence in one hour of television? Where every R-rated movie has, on average, an obscene word every two to two and a half minutes. How do you remain pure in the midst of that type of a world? Well, there's a great example in an Old Testament character by the name of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to open up to the book of Daniel... It's in the Old Testament. It is perfectly okay to go to the table of contents. It's not a real long book, but you can find your way. Uh, It's kind of towards the end with the minor prophets that are there. Um, The book of Daniel tells us, shows us, how can we remain pure in a world that is impure? How do we remain pure uh, and not maybe separate ourselves like a Puritan? How do we remain holy um, and not just run from our culture? How do we remain in the culture but not of the culture? He gives us a great example. And in the midst of doing this, God raises him up to be the third highest in command and the greatest superpower known on earth at that time. How did he do that. I, I hope that you are here for the next six, seven weeks. Um, make a point if you're in town to be here on Sunday mornings. You're not going to want to miss these messages because we live in a world just like Daniel did. In fact, if, if you don't make a regular habit out of reading this Bible, such interesting words in here. Daniel's a great story if you just want to read through that. Joseph is another one of those stories that, I mean, it could make a TV series, a little mini-drama of all the things that some of these characters go through. There is adventure, there is uh, intrigue, there are spies, there's prophecy, there's mystery. Um, You'd be shocked at what's in there. And yet, we learn such great examples because the, the character that Daniel and his three friends display under fire, literally under fire. We're going to see that in a few weeks when they don't bow down to an altar and they have to walk through a fire. That, I hope, will inspire us as we try and live a more godly life in our own life. And so one of Daniel's major themes is this. It's the phrase, don't give up and don't give in. In fact, would you, would you say that with me? Okay, say it with me. Don't give up and don't give in. Say it with me again. Don't give up and don't give in. And our culture has changed more in the past 20 to 30 years than at any point in history. In fact, many people say around the world culture has changed more than any point in history in the last 20 or 30 years. And for us to be able to be pure in an impure world, we have got to know what our foundation is. We have got to know what our standards are. We have got to know what we live our lives and trust our lives to. Jesus said, "It's build your life upon me. I'm not shifting sand. I am a what? I'm a solid what? Rock. The solid rock. Build your life on the solid rock. And that is Jesus. That's what we teach. That's what we preach. But today we're going to talk about the Old Testament. Before Jesus came onto the scene. And yet it's the same God who revealed himself to Daniel. And how Daniel did this, how he remained pure, is I think there's a clue to this in his name. So if you have your outline, pull that out and you'll see what Daniel's name means. Daniel's name means this. It means God is my judge. 
Get that and understand what that means. God is my judge. Not the king, not my friends, not the enemies, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, but God is my judge. He lived for an audience of one. He was not an approval addict. He didn't need everybody else's approval to do what he know what he knew God wanted him to do. You know, when uh, our family was on um, sabbatical, we got to go over to the land of um, uh, the country of Korea. Um, actually spent three days in Korea and then spent about two and a half weeks in Japan. And so I knew that when we flew into Korea, there was a large church that I've heard about for many years. It's the largest church in the world. Um, it has 400,000 members in it. Um, so I said, well, you know, I'd like to go by and see that. And so we were not there on a Sunday when they had their services. But I said, the family, let's go. And so we had uh, someone drive us there. They dropped us off. And we went up and we saw that everything was closed. Um, but I thought, you know what? I don't need approval on this. I'm a pastor from the United States. So let's just break in. All right? <laughs> so, so I decided just to find an open door. I, I, I didn't come this far just to not, you know, get in and see this place. Uh, and so I did. I, you know, doors were kind of open in some areas, and I kind of snuck in some other areas. And the family had to go out to meet the guy who had dropped us off. And so I was going through this area, and I was looking for how do I get into the sanctuary. Um, and then my wife came up with the kids, and, and she found, I guess, the proper way to go into the building, um, which it wasn't open, but she said, yeah, you know, my husband's in there. He, he, he's a pastor. And they said, uh, was he wearing a black hat? Um, and she said, yeah, and she said, well, we've been watching him here on the screen, monitor screens here, kind of going from place to place to place to place. Um, but, you know, what, what are they going to do, arrest me, right? I mean, I, I was in South Korea, not North Korea, all right? I was in South Korea, and uh, I just wanted to see what was there. And so I, I took some pictures uh, of the church, thought it would be interesting to see. Here, here's the church. This is only half of it. They have like a balcony on top of a balcony on top of a balcony. In, in about 26,000. Go ahead and go to the next one there, Matt. 26,000 seats in the side room. They're pews, um, which would cause the ushers a nightmare on how to take the offering and to count all the people. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I did something. I, I snuck up on stage, and I just wanted to see what it would be like to preach from up there. So here was one. I did a little panoramic, you know, type thing like this. And, and I noticed something. You can't really see it very well, but it's back over in this area. Go ahead, Matt. Go to the next one there. Zoom in on it. Zoom in on it one more time. You still probably can't see it. Zoom in on it again. Uh, here it is, this angelic kind of thing. Found out it was my kids who were dabbing in the back of the church, just like that. <laughs> you want to arrest someone, arrest them, right? Not me. (laughs) But we had a great time there. And you know, you might say, well, in a country like that, it's easier to live out your faith. Or in a country like, like back in the days of Daniel, it's easier to live out your faith. What about today when we are so far away? The land that Daniel lived in, in Babylon, was not an easy day. It was not an easy country to live in. It was filled with impurities beyond belief. In fact, let me give you a brief little history lesson. Let me do this very quickly. As you go back to the land of Israel, here's Israel. Here's the Mediterranean Sea in the Middle East. Um, We can see that about 1400, the Israelites came out of Egypt up into this land here in Israel. Uh, About then seven, about 1000 BC, uh, years before Christ, was when David and Solomon were around. Kind of the Camelot, the golden years of the Israelite nation. 
Uh, about 722, though, of B.C., we had the Assyrians come in and invade the northern kingdom and take people back to Assyria in, five, in 605 B.C. Remember, we're counting backwards towards Christ at this time. Uh, the country of Babylon comes in and takes uh, some of the best and the brightest back to Babylon as well. Um, and this, this is where the story of Daniel begins when this captivity is taking place around 605 uh, B.C., when Daniel is a teenager. In fact, we find out later that there's another group of people who come in. They are the Persians who come in and invade Babylon. And so you see culture upon culture upon culture, difficult steps that they are going through. Even Daniel and his friends had to relearn their culture, relearn the things that they would do. Uh, It was a wild time, not too much different than 2018 in the United States of America. In fact, Nancy Orberg says it this way. She asked the question about the book of Daniel. She says this. She says, Is it possible to live with courage and convictions when my circumstances are completely removed from the dreams that I had for my life? Think about this for your life. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Yep, life has just not gone on like I thought it would go. There's been difficulty, there's been struggles, Uh, I've had curveball after curveball, I've had disappointment after disappointment. Daniel was right in the midst of that. To be taken out of his homeland, to be cast into another culture, society that was so different, was not how he was thinking life was going to go. But in the midst of it, just like you here today, hopefully if you are in the midst of it, you are saying, but God, I'm going to stick tight to you. I might not know where the future goes. I might not know how it leads, but I know who leads me to that. God, it is you. And so the story of Daniel begins in 605 B.C. when he is a teenager, and it goes to about 539 B.C. when Daniel is 80 years old at the end of his life. And so some valuable, valuable lessons we're going to learn. Daniel chapter 1. Let's jump right in. It says this. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Nebuchadnezzar, ruthless, ruthless leader. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand. Now, a great lesson here. I'm not going to go over this right now. I'll talk about it more at the end. I'll talk about this more as we go along this book. But you can see God is in control. Amen? Amen? Even with allowing the Israelites to be taken into captivity, it says that the Lord gave the king of Judah into his hand. And Four of those people who were taken off into captivity were four teenagers, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as we said back in the hood growing up, your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. All right? That's maybe how you can remember them. Taken out of Israel, land of God, land of Yahweh, to the land of Babylon, impurities, idol worship, sex, violence, all the rest, and yet they remained pure. Why? few things they did. The first thing I put down in your outline is this. They set godly standards. They set their standards high. Man, if you are just going through life in America, 
and you don't have a rock to lean upon, if you don't have standards to, to kind of fall upon of, of, of how God wants them to be, if you have not had a mentor or a grandmother, grandfather, parent figure teach you, it is so hard to live at the level that God wants you to live. You, you just don't know what those standards are. I was talking with a gentleman, a husband, a number of months ago, um, and he said, actually, he doesn't go here. I don't even know if he was a Christian, but he said this. He said, you know, I've been a good husband. I've only had two or three affairs on my wife, and he just kind of just, and I was like, whoa. I, I mean, I did all I could not let my eyes bug out of my face and say, is that your standard? Is, is that what it is now, that, that you have not had an affair on your wife or wives have not had an affair on your husband, and that makes you a good spouse to them? Is that, where, is that where we are in America? Sadly, yes. And sadly, that's crept into the church as well. And I hope that is no one standard here. That, well, I can do whatever I want to do in this other part of my life, and then I'll just go to church, I'll check off that box, and God will be okay with me and all that. You know, God's okay with us when we get our heart right, when we get our heart right set upon him. It's not just about our actions of, oh, I was in church, and I did, I said the right thing, I gave the right amount of money, or I joined a group, isn't that what God wanted me to do? Or I did a little service down at the gospel center. No, 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 it's so much more than that. And God's Spirit wants to be in us. God's Spirit wants to move in us. In fact, I read an article this last week that in, uh, there's two states where people can be sued for breaking up someone else's marriage by infidelity. North Carolina just had one. Um, a guy uh, has to pay $9 million because he broke up a family. I wish that would come to California. Daniel. He resolved, I'm not going to do it the culture's way. God, I'm going to do it your way. Look at verse 8. It says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. And therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So the king is trying to get Daniel and the three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to eat things they should not eat, to drink things that they know they should not drink. Obviously, there was, there was something that was, it was offered to idols or it was not kosher. So God said, do not partake in these kind of foods. They are ceremonially unclean. And so let me just warn you, First Baptist, the world gets at our faith in a couple of different ways. It gets at it through persecution, and it gets at it through seduction. And in a few weeks, we're going to look to see how Daniel and his friends were persecuted for their faith. But today, we're looking at the seduction. This sense of, you know what? Come on. A little food, a little wine, a little ham sandwich is okay. A, li- a little drink over here. A little donut hole or two or three over there. No big deal. Who's going to know or care? And Daniel steps up and says, my God will, and so I'm not going to do it. He knew what the godly standards were. In fact, here's the way to look at this. Daniel had resolved, and you see in this verse, verse 8, it says Daniel resolved 
That word in the Hebrew is a Hebrew word which means to make a rope out of three or more strands that are bound together. If you look at any rope, you'll see there's multiple strands on there. Well, think of a large rope that has three large strands that are woven together around, woven together around and around and around that makes that rope strong. See, if you've ever come to the place of saying, well, I'm going to resolve to do this, or I'm going to resolve to do this, or resolve to do this, or I'm going to resolve not to do this, and then you fall into doing it, it's because you didn't have Daniel's type of Hebrew resolve. He had three ropes that were woven together. Let me tell you about the three that he had. The first one was this, a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview or or viewpoint, as I wrote down the outline. A viewpoint or a worldview that followed Scripture. That was his first resolve that he had. It it doesn't mean you have to give up everything. It doesn't mean that you have to compromise, that you can't, you know, like allow some things to be compromised, such as his name. He said, okay, if you're going to change my name, you're going to change my name. If you want me to wear your clothes, I'll wear your clothes. If you want me to learn about your customs and cultures, okay, I'll do that with great excellence. I'll do that. But I know my God does not want me to defile my body by putting the food or the drink that you're serving into my body. That's where he cut it off. And we each need to know about those things in our lives. The things that we can say, okay, that that can be all right. And then the other things that we say, "Uh uh-uh, absolutely no. In fact, on the back of your outline, if you'll turn that outline over, on the bottom, we talked about this a few months ago when the California legislature was getting ready to vote on a bill called AB 2943. That would, and you can just read that. Let me just share what it is. It makes it illegal to charge for counseling services to sell books, including the Bible, or offer any help to people in California who want to overcome uh, um, same-sex attraction and gender identity confusion and to make a financial transaction when they do. In other words, counselors who charge for their counsel will never be able to say, well, here's the biblical viewpoint of this. Even Bibles cannot be sold, cannot be transaction selling-wise, because it teaches that men are supposed to marry women and women are supposed to be married men, instead of what the California law says, the United States law, saying men and men can marry women and women can marry. We are in a totally foreign culture than what Scripture gives to us. And now we're trying to have a law put into place where no one can charge to give that type of advice, or it's illegal to do that, and you can be sued, or the Bible won't be able to be sold um, uh, because it teaches it one way that is counter what the law of America says. And the reason I put this back in here now is because the California legislature has been off for the summer. They're going back in tomorrow. And they're going to vote on this issue. Word is they're going to vote on it very soon. I actually don't know if it's tomorrow that they're going to vote upon it or soon. But you see the assembly people that you can call. I have done it as well before I left for sabbatical. It's very easy to put your call in. You speak to a live person. You just say, I just want to encourage that representative not to vote for this. And they listen. In fact, the reason it was delayed is because a pastor down in Southern California spoke up and they met with this pastor and the pastor kind of went over some things and the author of the bill said, you know what, I'll delay this now, but now it's back on the ballot. Now it's coming through. Folks, we need to stand up for those types of things. We need to have a biblical viewpoint, which is what Daniel and his friends had. Second rope that is woven through is this, supportive friends. 
supportive friends. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are always around Daniel. Even when Daniel gets promoted, they are promoted with him as well. My question to you is this. Do you have those kind of people in your life? It's the reason we do community groups. It's the reason we do Sunday school classes. Because you might not always be going through that kind of persecution in your life, but to gather around people who are supporting you when you do or to prevent you from getting to the place where you feel that and can stand up when the water starts to boil and say, nope, that's not right. You need those kind of people in your life. That's why we have uh, the new series we're going to be doing this fall, Grace is Greater. I hope you will make plans now to get involved in that. It's why we go to the Ports Game. Ports Game is not just to sit there and eat ribs all you want, right, and watch great baseball. It's to have men around one another and encourage one another for when those times come. Women play bunko and other things around here. It's because we want to be able to have that fellowship and that support and that encouragement when those times come. You need to have that in your life. You need to be able to open up God's word and say, what does it say and how can I stay on track with this? Third strand that Daniel had in his life then was a spirit of peace. Spirit of peace. He wasn't belligerent. He didn't go off into a hunger fast or become a hermit and say, I'm out of here. In fact, look what it says in verse 12 and 13. That's what Daniel says. He speaks up. He says, "Um, would you test your servants for 10 days? Let us be given vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So what he's saying here is, okay, let us just do the veggie thing. We'll stay away from in and out for 10 days. We're not going there. You then be the judge. You see, are we better or are we not? He drew a line and he said, here's where it stops. I cannot cross that line. You know that line is in your marriage? You know that line is in your workplace? You know that line is in your dating relationships? That line is there. And you know what that line is, and you need to set that line before you even get close to that line, because it is so easy to cross that line if you just allow the world to kind of sweep you underneath, just to sweep you along. And Daniel said, nope, Here's the line. I'm not going through it. We've shared this illustration for years around here. It's kind of like the the frog in the kettle. If a frog is in a cauldron of water that's over a stove boiling, it will stay in that water and it will actually be killed because it doesn't know when to jump out. Just slowly by slowly by slowly by slowly that water heats up until it kills the frog. But if that water is boiling, you take a frog and you throw it in there, it will instinctively want to jump out because it knows it's too hot. There's people in here who are boiling. Yep, you're a frog in a kettle, boiling. And you don't even know it. Well, that's why God's word speaks to us. That's why we come to church. That's why you have godly people in your life who can speak into you to say, hold on, hold on. It may feel warm and toasty now, but my gosh, the water is getting hot and you're going to suffer. So what does that look like for us? Maybe some of us need to toe the line on a few things. Maybe it's your media intake. Facebook or Twitter or texting or online stuff. Maybe you just need to take a 10-day break and say, let me reset myself because I'm getting way more of the world into me than I'm even getting God's standards in my life. Maybe it's your food. 
Maybe it's the things that you eat, the poison, the toxins that come into your body. Maybe give it a break and say, I'm going to do that a little bit differently. Maybe it would be to be countercultural than, than our culture says about joining things. Our culture says, ah, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. I can come to church maybe once or twice a month or uh, maybe even once or twice a year. It's no problem. No, to make a commitment and say, that's my church. I'm going to make a difference. That's why we're offering that membership class next week so that you can understand what First Baptist is about. You can understand what we would like you to do, not what we here, staff, but what God's Word instructs us to do so that we can be a greater witness in this community and we can have greater convictions in this community so that you as parents can raise more godly children so that you can have more godly marriage. Make a commitment. Maybe, maybe even you could make a commitment for 10 weeks to be on time to church. Oh, 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 getting interesting here now, right? Okay, balcony, I'm talking to you. Yeah, 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 some of you down here. Uh, You know, uh, on my sabbatical, my wife and I were able to travel around to different churches here in Stockton and other surrounding communities. We usually went to the later service. It was pathetic attendance for about the first five to ten minutes. You'd walk in there, and literally, these were larger churches, and literally in some of them you would see about 10% of the people there, and by about 20 minutes into it, then it filled up to maybe 60%, 70%. Let's be different. Let, 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 let's be on time. Let's hear God's voice. We have some 8 o'clock people who come an hour early. Wow is right, huh? Yeah. They just come in, they pray over the service, they get their hearts right, they're just listening to the Lord. They're, they're getting, man, that's so different than so many who just kind of sweep in and maybe even sweep up. Maybe some of you are the early leavers. Stay. Worship to the end. Do things a little differently. Have that resolve to say, God, I want to do it your way. The resolve Daniel had came from his Hebrew mindset. Understand this. Daniel made up his heart. All right, that's a little different, okay? Most of the time in America, we would say, make up your what? Make up your mind. But the Hebrew talks about making up your heart. The Americans, we we follow more the Greek side of things, which the Greeks go more towards mind. Hebrew is more of the heart. Make up your heart. Scripture says, guard your heart. Some of you have given your heart over to some things you know you shouldn't. Maybe today's the day to give it back to God. Say, God, my heart has not been right with you. Those impurities have crept in. God, I want my heart to be there with you. And Daniel, watch how this works. In chapter 1, Daniel has a test. And he passes the test of these impurities with food. In chapter 3, we're going to see he has a greater test where he's told to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's idol. But he passes the test again. He starts off with a smaller test. God then brings another test, a greater test along. And by chapter 6, we see that Daniel is thrown into a lion's den because he's told not to pray. And Daniel says, nope, goes against my scriptures, goes against my God, I will pray. God has tests before us. You've got to identify those. You've got to see those. And when you pass the little ones, he has greater ones. And you might be saying, well, I don't want to play that whole game and all that testing. Do you realize how much God wants to do in our lives? Do you realize how much he is for us? He's not like the big you know, puppet master playing with you over fire and doing those kind of things. No, God loves you and he wants your life to be excel- At the end of life, 
At the end of life, he wants you to stand before him and get to say, I did all I could, all I could in the life that you gave to me. And are there some of us, absolutely, whose hearts are in the wrong place? Yeah, we have impurities. Every one of us has some impurities in there we just need to get before God. But today's the day to say, God, I want to do it your way. I want to have the Hebrew mindset like Daniel to say, God, I made up my heart to do it your way. A couple more verses just to share how this ends. Verse 15 through 17. After they had been eating the food, it says, At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance, fatter in flesh. Some of you don't like to go that way, but you know what I mean. They were nourished. Then all the youths who were at the king's, who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine uh, that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for the four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. He, he, he did things with excellence. Even though he was in a foreign country, he said, okay, if I have to do these things, I'm going to do them with excellence. I'm not going to cross the line, but I'll do them with excellence. And look what it says in verse 20 and 21. It says, and in every matter of wisdom, understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus, which is some 80 years later that we're going to be talking about through the book of Daniel. And just seeing story after story after story of Daniel and his purity in the midst of an impure world. I hope you will make this a priority to be here for this series. In fact, let me just jump right to the end. I know our time is fleeting. Right at the end where it says the message of the book of Daniel. You know what it is? The message, if you want to summarize it, God is in control. God is in control. So no matter what you are going through, and I cannot tell you the threat I have had in my life at times when I forget this, And I say, Brad, are you doing something that looks like you're in control or is God in control? And if you can wake up tomorrow and say, God, I don't know what's coming my way, but I realize you're in charge, you are in control, that will save you so much pain, so much hardship. It would allow you to go back to say, as Daniel did, and as Daniel's name means, God You are my judge. Not tossed to and fro, not judged by anyone else. God, you are my judge. You're an audience of one. You are the one I look to. You know, maybe you're here today and uh, you've given your heart away. Maybe you're here today and you realize there's impurities that you need to take care of. Let's, Let's do that now. Let's take a few moments before the band comes, and even as they're coming now, sing a last worship song, and let's just get our hearts right with God. Say, God, would, uh, would you work on me? Work on my marriage. Work on my ability to be a godly parent. Work on my ability to be a godly grandparent, even a work associate, a friend. God, I want to do it your way. I want to do it how you would teach me. So let's quiet ourselves, and let's go to a place of praying before God. God, I, I thank you for an opportunity that we have to Kind of reboot. Now, maybe some of us have been going through life and we've allowed way too many impurities to creep in. God, we've been going through life and um, we haven't taken you seriously enough. God, maybe we, um, we don't even recognize how far away we are from you.
We come to church out of a habit instead of out of a passion to worship you, instead of out of a passion to see you work in our lives. You know, if you're honest, maybe you would even say, Pastor, I, I, I just need prayer so that these impurities, I, I'm struggling with some impurities that I want to get right. Pastor, would you pray for my heart that I wouldn't give it away to others, I wouldn't give it away to other things, but that I have it set upon God. And if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't mind, just lift your hand, acknowledge that, and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Absolutely. See it downstairs? Absolutely. Dozens and dozens up in the balcony. Absolutely. Praise God that you're saying, let's do this right. Let's have that resolve. Absolutely. Praise God. Yep. Would you get that resolve? Would you read your scriptures to get that biblical viewpoint? Would you get godly friends in your lives to help you walk through? Would you maintain that spirit of peace about you to say, God, I can be in but not of the world. God, we want to do this your way. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to change overnight. But God, this is a starting place. This is a starting point. May we be pure in the impure world that's around us. May we be shining lights. May that purity reflect to others around us. And God, may we be men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, that say, God, we want to do this your way. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to get things right in our hearts and our lives. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.